0: told you I can't help but move to that song. I don't know what's up. Yeah, no, you have (laughs) to. I mean, like,
1: I felt like I should, but then I didn't want to steal focus.
0: Right? Uh, Uh, Well, happy darn CultureCast day, everyone, and welcome, Brenda Shea, to our conversation and this CultureCast. I'm super fired up to have you. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Right on. I mean, I think everyone's read about you, but just really quickly... Brenda is a unicorn in the entertainment industry. I say that because to be a badass writer, and I think the diversity of writing that you have done and that has been produced, whether it's comedy, How I Met Your Mother. Also, um, I I didn't realize Truth Be Told is also on your resume. And for those of you, it was kind of um, really the zeitgeist of what was going on with podcasts back then on true crime. And then to turn that into a series, that was pretty amazing and pretty mm-hmm. helpful going into COVID actually. So that diversity of TV writing, but then most recently with a current feature release that is out right now, mm-hmm. Disney and Pixar's elemental, which I cannot wait to get into. Uh, yeah. You are a darn unicorn girl. Say <laughs> that. Um, yeah.
1: Well, it's definitely uh, exciting that it's finally coming out. Elemental. I worked on it for two and a half years, so it's a, it's a long animation is a long process. So to see it finally come to fruition is exciting.
0: It's pretty amazing. And actually, everyone, if this is your first time joining a culture cast, it's really about that. Let's talk about culture, whether it's pop culture, all things culture and inclusion. And more specifically, we had the chance to talk to leaders and take ideas from what they have been doing, what they've been working on, and apply it into our own lives, whether it's for our community or within the work that we do, and help create and cultivate environments where others can thrive. And so that's why we're here. And Brenda, I just want to jump into it. How does one get on this pathway to become a writer? I mean, where did you grow up and was there something in your life that kind of pointed you in this direction? Um, it's funny because,
1: uh, yeah, it is kind of random. I think growing up, I'm I'm a, a Chinese immigrant. Like my parents are first-gen immigrants. And I feel like it really wasn't a real consideration to go into Hollywood. Like that just didn't seem yeah. like a real job. It wasn't sensible. Like, you know, it's, it's obviously very risky. Um, and so uh, I was kind of a nerd and I went to Yale and I majored in uh, English, but I didn't, yeah. I just thought like, oh, English is useful. Like yeah. I'm gonna probably use writing. I never took a creative writing class. I never, you know, it was all just like writing about Jane Austen or Shakespeare. And um, and even, it's it's funny, I, I, I basically was like, well, how do I, what do I do uh, after college? And I, I was kind of on the path to be, uh, to doing television news producing. Okay. I interned at 2020. I had kind of this job lined up at MSNBC, like in New York city. And I thought that that was like the sensible thing to do. And, um, I basically, but then at, you know, my senior year, actually my junior summer, my mom, um, got diagnosed with uh, lung cancer. And so, uh, my parents were separated and I basically, she moved out to LA to be um, with her family and the better weather and to have this core network. And so I basically, after graduation, moved out to LA, I like gave up like my boyfriend, my friends, my, oh, my wow. mom in New York, that MSNBC job, gave it all up to move to LA. And And at that point I felt very derailed professionally. I was like, yeah. I'm doing this for my family. I'm doing this for my mom. And like, you know, I don't know anyone out here. And, and um, it's funny, because as a a frugal Asian woman, she, she was like, not only do you have to take care of me, but you have to make money. And so I basically had to also tutor, like I was tutoring, like, oh, my goodness, kids in San Marino, uh, and bluffing my way through any topic that I could sort of like fake my way through. Um, And so yeah. So I was doing that for a while, for a year. And in that year, I think the thing about being in LA is that you it's inevitable you meet somebody in the entertainment industry. It is yeah. the industry of this town. And so I was at an alumni function and I uh, met this writer who used to write on Seinfeld and we just kind of oh, hit wow. it off. And he was like, hey, why don't you try writing? And I was like, first of all, I I was like, oh, I guess you can make a living at this, you know? And also I was like, yeah, you know, the thing about writing is that you don't have any startup cost. You can just do it from home. And it kind of is the perfect thing to do when you're taking care of your mom. And I was like, okay. And I chose half hour comedy because honestly, I'm a little lazy and I (laughs) thought that the half hour was the shortest. And I was like, okay, yeah, that one. yeah. actually the hardest because you have to do you know story character
0: yeah and be
1: funny and do it all in like twenty two minutes so it really was um ambitious actually but i i just sort of started to teach myself and the way i did that is i basically read really good examples of what i wanted to do so at the time there was a lot of these fan sites where fans would transcribe yeah. every yeah. seinfeld episode every friends episode and wow. i would just read all of them. I was like I want to read good examples of what I want to do, of the of what I want to be able to do. And so that's how I kind of taught myself. And then I, you know, obviously writing specs basically yeah. um doing that in my little cave in my room alone and after and I, and as a sensible asian I also was like I'm going to give myself 2 to 3 years to break into this business. <laughs> I was like cuz that's like grad school and at yeah. least I'm not paying tuition. I just have to support myself. You know, and so that's I felt like that was a fair amount of time to give it. Um, and so I think it was around the two, just past two years, I I I did. I was like, how do I get a job? And this is obviously, you know, I had no connections. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people can become a PA or a writer's assistant, and then they work their way up um, at a show. But I honestly didn't even know how to get that job. So even a PA job. So I entered a contest which is kind of the best thing when you have yeah. no way else to get into an industry. And as I said, like, it was important to me to like make money. And so I picked, there, there are a couple of these fellowships okay. and I picked one that actually pays you like, and it's the Disney ABC writing fellowship and it pays you for the year. And it's a, you know, it's a really good starting salary and it's very competitive for that reason. And I applied um, and I kind of remember saying to myself, like, if I get this, You know i'll keep going and if not you know then i gave it a shot you know and this is after obviously i've been honing my writing for like two years you know and so i i submitted a script and and i got it and i got in and it was like such a great opportunity it was they give you a year to work on your writing to work with um executives wow abc executives i got lucky enough because my year they had an opening on a show to take a fellow on to like work on a show a half hour comedy. And I, uh, uh, three of us tried, uh, interviewed and I was picked and yeah, I got my first job that way. And I was able, once you get your first job, it's much easier to get an agent. Um, and so I got an agent and then that was my, yeah, big break into the industry.
0: Oh my goodness. I think, and I just saw a note here that Mike posted way to manifest it, Brenda, like everything that you've done, but Oh my gosh, there's so much to react to and to ask about. First of all, how is your mom? How is well the- I
1: mean she passed, but like yeah. I knew that. That's why it's like lung cancer at that time was like terminal. But I got a really really amazing year with her. Like, and you know, we had a tough, you know, you know, contentious, you know, teenage childhood years with sure. each other. And I think like it was actually really nice to spend that time together and to like really get to know her as a person as opposed to my mom. And, uh, and so, and also, you know, even though it was really sad, like I would never have found this career that I love, exactly. you know what I mean? Like it's so weirdly serendipitous.
0: Yeah. I think, and uh, I mean, bless your mom. And I agree with you. I was just about to say, you know, things in life happen for a reason and even hearing about your journey. And first of all, you're not only a nerd, you're like a really badass smart nerd. The fact that you went to Yale, let's well, just, just say that. to to even get into Yale and then have this job lined up and then getting into, hey, you know, your priority is your family and your mom asked you uh, to help her. And I I fully feel you, girl. I mean, I think about my parents also first generation, I'm first generation American, so born here and living cross-culturally, right? So they never lived in America. There's certain things that happen here in the US that they've never experienced in the Philippines and I feel you too on um, that relationship that I think Asian women, daughters and mothers have with each other. It's summer. kind of
1: like a given that, you know, that you are gonna sacrifice yourself to take care of your parent. Like, you know, it's uh-huh. like it's like which is not necessarily a white thing. Like, you know, I'm like it and, and and I, you know, I didn't even question it, you know. Like I was like, Oh yeah, I have to do it, you know. And it's ironic because she before she got diagnosed, she was really like tough lovey and was like, Don't think you can come back after college. You gotta support yourself, you're not gonna come back, live at live at home. And I'm gonna, yeah. And then I was like, oh, now you. I'm like, now you need me to come back. Oh my god! But
0: you want me now. (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny. My mom was the same way. Like after college, she had found out that my dad would like give me a twenty here, a hundred there, and I'd go visit them. I went to Cal Poly undergrad, and like she found out that dad gave me money, and she's just kind of like, you got to pay that back. You know (laughs) what I mean? So there's that, and I think the similarity, although I think uh, further future, my mom also was diagnosed with lung cancer. You and I haven't talked about this, but, um, during COVID, you know, and and the, the good news is she survived. She had like a right lower lobectomy like that. And, you know, she's thriving and I hear you though. I think the role that young Asian women or that relationship that you have with your family, there is that expectation that when you become an adult, let me tell you, I feel more than adult. You know, that when your parents get older and they're not well, then even before they're not well, like that, there's an expectation actually that you take care of them because yes. they provided because they a life so you much and worked work so much for you, yes. it's time to pay that back. Yeah. And so I, I feel like your journey from okay, something was pulling you to the West Coast, and even just kind of navigating this on your own. I know that you had like this alumni network and maybe people said, try writing. But the fact that you figured out how to do it yourself, a little DIY writing and like finding all that stuff online and then just modeling that, it reminds me of how, um, I think as as a, a young child or growing up in Southern California, how I kind of assimilated. Like I would see things that kids were doing and I'm like, well, I can do that and had no clue. And it would just be like, let me just figure that out. You know, if I observe percent, oh, yeah, no, I, mean, I
1: remember my parents, like, you know, my parents, made my mom mostly cooked Chinese food. And I remember being a kid, I was probably like 10 or something. And yeah. I was at my friend's house and her mom made grilled cheese. Yeah. And I was like, this is amazing. I loved it. I was like, oh, my God. And I remember going home and asking my mom to make grilled cheese. And she was like, I don't know how to make that. She's like, if you want to make that, you got to figure out how to make that. Yeah. And I so I remember going back to that American white mom and being like, hey, how do you make grilled cheese? And she t- showed me. And then I remember having to go to the supermarket with my mom and buying like
0: Wonder Bread and like American cheese Amazing. and butter. And like having
1: to make it at 10, like having to make it for
0: myself. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think we, we've not talked about this, but if, there's so many similarities. Like we figured out how to microwave hot dogs like at home. Because it's, you know, it's not... A traditional food that my parents would cook, you know, yeah. at home. So that's interesting, and I think like this. But I, it was I, good. It
1: really taught us, I think, independence. You're right. Like I was like, she's like, well, you're gonna have to figure out how to make that if you want that. Go, go ask and do it yourself, kiddo. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I'm like, you know, I feel like it, you know, it was a little tough lovey, but I think it did teach me a lot of like, you know, go being like a like if there's a problem, you're gonna have to solve it yourself.
0: Oh my gosh, they sound so similar. I mean, that's like a whole, we need to have drinks over this conversation. So, um, But yeah, it is tough love and it does teach independence. And um, it also gives you a chance to build character and resilience at the same time as a child, right? So that's that's wild. Yeah, but I also um, think
1: it's so interesting because I think some kids like are develop this resilience and some kids can't, it's a little genetic too. I think I'm very lucky that like this hardship and, you know, it, it actually made me stronger, you know what I mean? And I think it can yeah. be overwhelming for some people.
0: So it's, I do, I do, I'm very grateful that I was at least like wired to sort of handle it. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally hear you. I mean, I feel that too, because like my parents worked all the time mm-hmm. and, um, we were and we, kids. Uh, we were, I was going to say, I grew up with a key around my neck, mm-hmm. you know, and we had like this code, remember telephones would be like, all right, don't answer the telephone. And here's like, Gonna make it up. It was like, I'll let it ring three times, hang up, and then I'll call you again. And then, you know, then you'll know it's mom calling. It was like that kind of thing. Wow. That's um, a little paranoid, too. It's like (laughs) like, there's (laughs) gonna be a code. I know we were independent, and yet, you know, we had to figure it out. So you're right. And I think as kids, there are some kids who didn't have that experience. And I and maybe that says a lot, you know, thank you for sharing, being so open about you know, your upbringing, because it says a lot about the story you were sharing with us on navigating LA, figuring out how to be a writer, breaking in and just, you know, giving yourself that grace, but also a timeline. You're like, I mean, I'm gonna do this or not, you know, and then move on to the next thing. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. some people
1: can, will try for 10 years and I'm like, I'm just not that person. I'm gonna, I'm gonna need to hit a certain mark by a certain point because, yeah, like, you know, otherwise, because also, by the way, I do love a lot of things. Like, I love being a writer, but I'm like, I could maybe go into business or there's other yeah. things that I enjoy that I would be, like, gratified by, you know?
0: Yeah, and I guess not a surprise you're an English major. I'm just saying, I mean, you have this amazing career as a writer. And the fact that English was your major at Yale and that, I, I think that um, orientation, it, it just provides a lot of foundation to what you're doing, you know, and I'm connecting the dots as I'm listening to you. So that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, so, actually, I feel like it goes
1: even further back because I, when I was a kid, you know, we were like, grew up Long Island, largely white, a lot of um, Jewish Italian people. We were one of the few Asians uh, yeah. in school. And so my sister and I were only a year apart. And so we didn't have a lot of friends and we would just play with each other. And we would basically, we created this world called Dolly Land and our, our room was called Dolly Land. And, and, and we would play with our stuffed animals and give them characters and storylines and like act out entire like, you know, arcs and stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, like I did that. I was like, it was basically like being a writer, except instead of humans that are talking, saying your words. Yeah. You have stuffed animals. And I was just like, oh my God, I was kind of doing that as a kid, like for, that was my favorite thing to do. And so weirdly looking back, I'm like, I guess it kind of was something now that I do for for my living. It's so- Yeah,
0: I think it was meant to be. I I was um, in this focus group, gosh, this was a few years ago, and it was Jim Collins, Good to Great, and he was doing research. And I'm I'm probably gonna say the wrong terminology, but I think people um, regenerate or reinvent, but they stay at their core. And if you go all the way back to childhood, you're doing something that's kind of related to childhood. And I think about, um, we were the same. I mean, we grew up in Southern California and we were in LA, but then we moved to the suburbs for a better public education. And because we had to go home, like when we were kids, right? High school was different. We, my, brother, my brothers and I would be the same way. We would take the stuffed animals. My difference was, it would be like, okay, today I'm going to create... design studio and i'm going to be a fashion designer and the stuffed animals would be clients and they would Mm -hmm. come in and like define i want this and then (laughs) my brother and i would like sketch what they would get or like if my older brother if he was playing we would pretend we would run like a uh, a restaurant like a a nice restaurant and Get the step stool and put it in the kitchen and pretend that was the ordering window. Oh, and amazing. like you know, they would come up and you know, and then we'd write little tickets. So it was like business oriented. we had one of our yeah. scenarios
1: was we ran an architecture firm called Ramshackle Architecture. Nice. <laughs> and it was like, uh, yeah, no, we had all different scenarios.
0: It was like hilarious. Yeah, I believe though. I think it's like everything that you did as a child kind of manifests into what you're doing as an adult and. Um, my parents thought I was going to be a doctor, you know, and I was great in math and science and ended up switching to business mid undergrad. I was a biology major. And then, you know, human resources was like a total random kind of, I went into this direction. But if I think about it, you know, I was doing HR, like people and culture back in the day, like, even though I was different when we moved, I was always about like getting people organized, finding, you know, the right. Uh, experience for everybody. I would, I had this group of friends and I, I would tell them, okay, we're going to have a certain theme. Like we're going to dress a strawberry shortcake one day for school and people would do it, you know? And so, um, and in high school, it was like involved in cheerleading and sports and all of that, but it was not so much about school that was important to get education, but it was also that experience. And so that's, that there's so many parallels, but I want to jump into like, let's talk about culture and um, I want to get a little bit into your writing before we get into Elemental. So fast forward, here you are, the successful writer. And let's talk about what is the culture like being a writer on these various shows. You know, you you were so um, fortunate, but meant to be and talented enough to get this fellowship and then land on a show at ABC. I'd love to get your perspective on what is that culture like being on a writing staff, and being on a show? Yeah,
1: I mean, you know, honestly, you know, it's it's changed from when I started, like, okay. way back when. Um, but definitely early days in comedy writing, half-hour comedy writing especially, the writers' rooms were really very male-dominated. And um, I was often, like, the only female. Um, but not always. And, and, and that's changing, thankfully. Yeah. But that was definitely something to navigate. Because I think back then there was a little bit of a, like, oh, women aren't funny or whatever kind yeah. of uh, stereotype. And and that, you know, it, it was like, it's interesting. Like, I feel like having to navigate it was like, so it manifested in this way, actually, where um, there was this thing happening where I had this like, um, like a hoarse voice for months, like no. And no other symptoms. I'm like, it's just hoarse voice. And I'm just like, I finally went to the ENT, the ear, nose and throat doctor, and he stuck a scope down my throat and was like, oh, you have vocal nodes. And I'm like, what? That's like what Adele gets, like yeah, talking too much. Or he's like, no, he's like, it's, it is from vocal strain. It is usually from at, speaking at the wrong pitch, you know, at, at straining at the wrong pitch. And I'm like, what? This is so weird. Yeah. And I was talking to my friend Anjali, who is also a female comedy writer. And she's like, oh my God. She's like, I had that too. She's like, I think this is a female comedy writer physical problem like ailment and I'm like what she's like yeah our friend Kristen Newman has this also she's also a female comedy writer what and I was like what and I realized I'm like oh my god it's from a, like basically a vocal string so I what I realized is I was subconsciously um pitching and speaking in a lower tone like like a lower oh, voice. Wow. Was lower than my natural pitch yeah and and trying to be heard in this room of guys, so I was basically kind of like Elizabeth Holmesing without even realizing it. Like I was trying to fit in wow. with all these guys and sound more guy like. So I was pitching lower and also trying to be louder, and so I was straining my voice at this unnatural pitch. And I'm like, oh my god! And I gave myself vocal notes and 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 so and so had my f- female friends in the room. Oh and I'm my like, oh, goodness! Easy.
0: Yeah, I, I think that is crazy. And it's, you know, and I'm fascinated about culture, What, regardless of what company or industry that you're in. Um, and now I think there's a lot more openness and culture is a big deal with companies. Now it's all about that. But if you think about, I, I feel the same way, like growing up in my career, having to feel like you have to assimilate, right? And for me, And the crazy thing is that I didn't
1: even realize I was trying to assimilate. Like that was a subconscious thing and it was hurting my body. Like it was just like, wow, this is so, you know, insidious. Like you're just like, I didn't, I just, it's like subconscious.
0: Well, yeah. And I think it's just, it's kind of the pressure that no one's telling you to do that, but it's all almost about like, how do I survive versus how do I thrive? And I think that's the difference. And how do we help people today you know, bring their full selves and be their full selves in whatever it is that they're doing, what they're passionate about, and not feel like they have to snap to or, you know, fit in or assimilate. Because I think the way I relate to that, you know, for me, I've always had a point of view, but I was so serious and so quiet, you know, in meetings where my managers were like, okay, what's up with, this is how you are one-on-one, and then you go to these meetings and we don't hear from you, you know? And to me, it was more intimidating because I was the, likely the youngest and looked different. You know, all of that, right? And I'm like, how do I get in there, you know? And yeah. holding myself back. So that's yeah. wild. So did you finally just go, okay, knock it off and be- you I know? had to go to a speech therapist just to oh. learn,
1: like, how to talk. Oh like, my gosh. Yeah, just unlearn this subconscious behavior. Um, it was only a couple sessions and taking some practice. But then I- realized like, okay, this is how you fix it now. Now I don't have vocal notes anymore. But I mean, it's interesting. Like, I feel like my journey, like I've always been very self, uh, like assured and kind of passionate. And like, I really believe in what I believe and like, and that, and like, that's okay. And that serves me well now, but starting out, it's not it's it it can get you fired and it can get you like it is this really interesting thing of like learning because it's almost like the opposite of what you were saying you know what I mean like and 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 uh and I think I was that was something I had to learn to navigate which I think the first thing I got feedback on was like hey you gotta let things go you know what I mean and and I was like oh yeah this is not my show this is your show yeah I need to like let let it go. And that was one of my first lessons in one of the, on how I met your mother that I learned. Um, and it was very valuable, but like, yeah, but it's also like learning when I guess the sweet spot is, is knowing when to fight for things. That's and when right.
0: To to go. And actually, I think uh, you can always still be you and believe in what you believe in. And then there's always that professional lens. You know, I always think about, okay, put that professional vest on. And I, although I strongly believe this, this is the cause or this is the objective. Yeah, oh, this is their, this is their vision.
1: I'm, you know what I mean? Like ultimately recognizing that
0: and, and and trusting the process. that's really, Um, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, and I think that's a good lesson learned. And by the way, I love, I mean, How I Met Your Mother was, you know, this generation's friends, right? I think about that, right? That whole ensemble. And I think it's pretty iconic that you had the chance to come work on that show.
1: Yeah, Um, it was so
0: fun. So I think, why don't we just jump into, though, let's talk about Elemental, okay? And, like, when you and I first met, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Elemental. And, and, you know, I think what most people talk about when they think about Elemental, oh, it's this cute little, not little, but this cute animation about these two young kids or characters falling in love, right? And how fun is it? And so... I, you know, yeah. I'd love to get your perspective. I, mean, I think that. The,
1: the impression I've gotten from the world is that I think people think it's a kids movie. And of course, all Pixar movies are kids movies, yeah. but they're also meant to be for adults also. And, yeah. and really what I love about this movie, it truly is for it works on both levels. And what I like about it also is that it is like speaking of impacting culture, like yeah. I think it's important. Like, I think it's trying to say something, like I'm so like fortunate to be in a position to kind of help create culture, like yeah. what through, through art, through content that's out there. And a lot of people watch, cause that's what you know influences our culture. Yes. And I feel like elemental, you know, and I, what I, I wish was more known about it is that it is trying to say something about diversity. It is a metaphor for immigration and diversity. Like each element is a character and a wave yeah. of immigration. You know what I mean? Like the water people are the first ones to arrive. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, and it's like in the fire people are the, the the newest immigrants and like the newest immigrants, the world isn't built for them. People yeah. are a little scared of them. Yeah. You know, like it's it's like being a new immigrant, whether you were Irish or Italian yeah. or, you know, or Chinese or whatever, you know, it's, it's, and it, and what I love about it is that it's not, it is a metaphor. It's not literal. So any, any POC immigrant group can relate to this struggle. You know what I mean? And then ultimately it's, it's a culture clash romance between a fire, like a new fire immigrant and a water, water being the dominant society and, 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 and seeing how that the challenges of that, and also the beauty of that. And so I feel like it's actually very sophisticated and just like, and and I feel like that part isn't like, I don't think adults realize that. And like adults without kids, it's like actually kind of a great bait movie or whatever, you know, you don't, it's not just for kids,
0: you know, and it's saying something
1: that I think is important for our culture. And that's why I'm trying to like get the word out
0: there. Yeah, no, I think it's very, it's giving good insight to people who are not familiar with it. And I agree with you um, on the surface, one might say, oh, it's a family movie and, you know, bring your kids to it. And I agree with you. I love that it's the different elements representing different immigrants. It could be anybody, right? But it also is a story about, um, you know, moving, I'd say, I know here in the U.S. because I've lived it with my family, like pursuing this American dream. And there's lessons learned, you know, from your past and like how to fit in or how to blend in, et cetera, you know, with different cultures. And I think about, you know, and for adults that really didn't grow up with that, I'll just say that, you know, yeah, I think going to Elemental is a good education and totally. an enlightenment, right? On, I love,
1: yeah, a lot of parents have said culture. like their yeah. kids have like, it's a way to get their kids even aware of this to talk about, right. you know what I mean? Like, and cause yeah, sometimes, it, and, and then also a lot of like POC immigrants have been like, oh my God, I really feel it. And speaking of, like, sacrifice and your parents, like, it is a lot about that. And it's, you yeah. know, Pete Sohn is Korean. He's the director. And it really was, the inspiration for this movie was kind of a, a love letter to his Korean parents who, like, worked so hard for him and, like, you know, sacrificed so much. And, yeah. And the the kind of, the kind of the beauty of that, but also the burden of that. Yeah. And, and how to, like, navigate that. The main character has to, like, figure that out. And so, like, yeah. So it's, it's very, I think, emotionally resonant for a lot of people.
0: Yeah. I I think it's pretty amazing. And I think it's, if people aren't hearing this now, it's a great way to, if you're not familiar at all and uh, what it's like to be a person of color, immigrant, you know, coming to this country or growing up in that um, it's unique. So I, I think about like growing up too, where kids would come over, like my friends from school would finally come over to our house and we would be, having like something as simple as a birthday party, although my birthday was in the summer and like we weren't in school, but I would still try to invite friends over. And then my parents would say, oh, just have their parents come over too. And, you know, a Filipino potluck. And oftentimes there would be a pig on the table. Right. And they're like, oh, we had no idea that this was a luau theme. We're like, no, not a luau. It's just kind of, Kind of what's up, you know. When the family comes also, to by the way, it. I had
1: a birthday party and I got a Filipino
0: full roast pig with an apple in its mouth. Yeah, it's just so good, so good. Yeah, my dad um, had this spit that he created that was motorized. Like, no, it was hardcore. I'm amazed that he made it himself. Like, I yeah,
1: that's a that's a whole that's a long yeah. time. Yeah, it's he, a long time. Uh,
0: he was very handy and figured things out. So, anyway, going back to culture. I I think it's great to just let people know, hey, just to get some insight, you know, because I I feel like this is also where you may not be um, an immigrant or people, a person of color immigrant, but the emotion of it, right? The story of it, you can relate to, or you might be able to see yourself in, right?
1: Yeah. And I think that's why it's also doing really well internationally. Yeah. Because I think because they don't look like a certain, they don't look asian or they don't look black like everyone can put themselves in this situation and someone was telling me like they they are white and they went to france to to just live there for a while and feeling like an outsider feeling like he he was like oh my god i totally related to this movie you know what i mean so it's like it's anyone that's feeling you know a little displaced and uh you know and having to navigate that
0: yeah i think that's really cool um, if you had a do-over again, and I know with just how it's gone, how it's been marketed, like w- how how would you show that? Like, how would people know that it's a metaphor for honestly, you know you diversity? Targeted,
1: yeah, I think I think the way you could have marketed it is literally like not not be. You didn't have to be literal. You could just be talk about can fire and water be together? That's the promise yes. of the premise, and that is that is like saying can two different like ethnic groups, can two different races yeah. be together? And 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 that's it's it's kind of the the thing about Pixar that I that that's what drew me to that drew me to this project is that yeah. when, when Pixar is hitting it, it's like it's a character driven grounded story. Yeah. Grounded want. Like Ratatouille, where it's like, I just want to be a chef. That's yeah. that's like an independent like movie, right? It's just like yeah, a character driven yeah, yeah. want. But the but the scope is, but I'm a rat. And in a kitchen, a human kitchen, this is now life and death. Now the stakes are life and death. Yeah. And basically we found that with a romance. It's like, oh, it's not, these two people want to be together, but she's fire and he's water. And that can yeah. be death for them now. Now the stakes are like death. It's like, it's like, it, and, and it's like a metaphor for culture. Like being like, yeah. can you as a fire culture and a water culture be together? It's like. So smart, you know what I mean? Like to have yes. it present in so many ways. So I, you don't even have to say, all you have to say is the promise of the premise is, can this fire person be with this water person? You know, because then you capture the kind of the romance of it and you yes. capture the kind of, difference and diversity. Can these two different things, you know, people, entities be together? You know yeah. what I mean? Come together. And that's what makes America amazing, right? Is that we have so many, you know, different groups living together. You know, that's right. and it, and the synergy of that, you know?
0: I think it's it's a beautiful way, too, for people who are still searching and not to get... I don't even think it's political when I say this, but, you know, diversity became a hot button and huge and mainstream in 2020 post the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and all of that happening, civil and social unrest in 2020. And in corporate America, specifically, you know, a lot of CEOs... um, hired, appointed diversity leaders, right? Chief diversity officers. And it's like, let's bring the lessons of diversity and inclusion to our company and, and, or our companies. And there's just a lot out there that felt um, not organic to like, all right, now all of a sudden we're going to force unconscious bias training. Although I, as a people professional, what that is, someone who's not is like, well, what do you mean? you tell me I'm biased. And like, how do you do that in a way where people can relate to it? right? Versus like all of a sudden then, um, at least in my experience, people were like pretty, pretty timid about like, do we get into this or not? But it's the right thing to do because that's what's happening in the world. Now, fast forward. It's 2023, um, the year of efficiency for many companies. And a lot of the first functions to go are these diversity functions that have been built up. I'm over sure. time, Right. And so I think about, all right, It's at the end of the day, if you really believe in that as a value of your company, then that's already baked into kind of your ethos, your values, what you believe in, the strategy of your company. And it's my long way of saying, even if you just had people go and watch this, right? And then really what perspective do you have? Like, what does that tell you about life? And I love how you position it. It is about can fire and water be together? Yeah, you know the story is like
1: you don't even have to get into like i think you know people are scared of like controversy but i'm like that's the beauty of this movie is that you can talk about diversity in a way that's like oh because they're elements doesn't feel you know i'm actually like oh it makes it kind of magical and like and it and I, i think you're right like it's like like teaching these things like you don't want to be didactic like i almost feel like this watching elemental is sort of like a trojan horse Like you're, you're, you're wrapping a a lesson about diversity in a delightful, fun pack. No one wants to feel like they're, you know, taking their medicine. You know what I mean? You want to make it taste like candy, but really you're learning something, you know, and that is the most effective way to get to people because you're right. Like these kind of like when you're forced to sit in a workshop or like you get resentful, you feel like you're like, you're being, you know, you're being, you know, uh, preach to, but like, if you're going to go watch a movie if, for, with your kids and you just think it's about fun elements and then you're like, Oh wow, there's actually a, a hidden lesson here. Like it's kind of, uh, the, I think the most effective way to reach people and to, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. Trojan horse it.
0: Yeah. I love it. Oh my gosh. I use the terminology all the time. Like at least in business when you're trying to do something and actually do something in a very, I'll just call it mainstream way, but there's actually a meaning behind it, right? There's an intention yeah. behind why you're doing it. And so um, I love that you're saying that. And I think it's a great way, too, to, for people that watch this, you know, and actually digest it and realize, okay, the human side of it, you know, what does that mean in my life and humanity? And I, you know, and it will bring out those themes of, you know, when I was introducing you on my write-up about you, and it's like, how do these different cultures mix? And instead of this culture clash, how do you actually ensure that there's an effective culture mix um, or culture remix, right? Like, I think And the truth is, yeah.
1: like, it is, it, you know, there is going to be, like, hardship and clash, but it's yes. what we're saying is, ultimately, it is uh, ultimately a positive thing and a synergistic thing, right? Even though there's, there's difficulty and friction, of course, when you bring different groups together, you yes. know? But, I, you know, I would like to think, you know ultimately it is a good thing you know
0: i think so yeah and actually um it wouldn't be human if it were easy you know what i mean so it's like of course there's going to be differences and of course there's going to be some friction in terms and that of also friction. makes for comedy yeah. by the way yeah. so
1: it's like and makes for interesting things to watch so it's all it's all good when you're watching a story so you need some you need some challenges and you need some some comedy too so
0: oh my gosh yeah so um everyone uh, you need to yeah, go out. out. got to go check it out. I'm so excited. I was going to say fired up. Not <laughs> Yeah, funny. you did fire it up. Fired up to yeah. um, go and see it. And actually, I saw that Nicole just popped in there, fire and water equals steam and steam as power. Nice. That was a little comment that had popped up. Nice. Um, yeah. I mean, everyone tell a friend and go see this. And I, I think it's also a good way to Trojan horse lessons in humanity and diversity. I hate to be such a nerd about it for <laughs> companies that are trying to figure it out, right? Like let, let something mainstream do the work for you.
1: I'm yeah, just saying. It's hard to do top down, you know, it's really like you want to like, yeah. And that's what I love doing what I do. Cause I, I kind of do love doing commercial projects that reach a lot of people. Like, you know, I think that's really hard to do well. A lot of these commercial projects are kind of hacky or like, you know, very watered down. And, you know, it's hard to, because the budgets are so large and they need so many people, there's a lot of fear that drives a lot of decisions around these projects. And so it's really hard to keep these projects, the quality and the specificity, like, strong you know what i mean and so it is so i really applaud any commercial like big commercial movie that can still be good you know and it's a really hard thing to do and so and to say something on top of it is even yeah
0: more right yeah it's not just entertainment actually there is a message and a lesson that um is actually goodness right at the end of the day it's good for humanity when that happens it's not just like like they're learning (laughs) yeah right um, yeah, it's fascinating. So everyone, go and check it out. What are you working on next, Brenda? Can you? Talk yeah, about I'm that? actually. Yeah.
1: It's. i I well, two things. So I, I uh, just recently completed. I was on a show called The After Party. It's on Apple Plus. It's a murder mystery comedy, and it's oh. it dropped the second season, and it's really fun. And it's a very diverse cast, um, and it's a, just a fun show. And then I will say for myself. Uh, my kind of passion project is that I want to be in charge and I want to direct a movie. So I'm trying to direct a movie I wrote a while back, and I'm and I'm you know doing it indie style, like low budget, and it's really exciting because you know I I really feel like I'm at a point in my career where I want to like be in charge. And I, and I have a point of view yeah. when I want to help execute. I want to execute and make sure this is not just my starting with the blueprint of the script, but like making sure it gets made correctly. And so you either can do that as the showrunner of your own show, sure. show or because in TV writers are in charge, or in feature directors in charge. So you have to be the director. So um, either of those paths is like what I'm kind of um, pursuing and and right
0: now. Amazing, amazing, yeah. and I think Obviously about a strike going on right now, so things are a little bit tricky and on pause. But otherwise, uh, yeah. I know what's up with that. I mean, I, I see a lot out there, like uh, different actors, artists that I follow, posting that are deeply involved in the strike, which is interesting to me. And I just don't know what's going to come of it. You know? Yeah, it's a tough
1: time. I mean, listen, I think for writers and for actors, we have some real valid things that we need to protect, like for writers, the writer's room, and like, you know, everyone needs a a fair residual model from streamers. Um, Also, we're, you know, we have to protect against AI, you know, there's a world where for writers, you know, um, you know, studios could get AI right now to write a first draft that's just kind of, you know, very basic and not very good, but then hire a writer, a human writer to like rewrite it and 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 then the main credit goes to the first writer which is like ChatGPT. you know what i mean like it's like so we really like these are very relevant and yeah. but it's very speculative right so people are also not sure where it's going so both sides it, it makes it very hard to negotiate because both sides i'm sure the producer's side you know they the studios are really worried about not being able to capitalize on the, on something yeah. it's everyone's just sort of guessing and so it's on, on that a little bit. And so everyone's it's a real fraught issue. But yeah. obviously there needs to be productions. And the same for the actors, you know, like their likenesses and all that stuff. So it, these are real important issues that have to and there and uh, to be honest, the solutions are not easy, right? Yeah. Like the, the, the actual solutions are are tricky. So it's like coming up with those solutions that work for both sides.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's interesting that you bring up AI, and I know a lot of it's based on that because of you know the work product that can be created through artificial or regenerative artificial intelligence. Now, the difference is, and I think when I was chatting with you yesterday, I had the chance to, and I know there's a few on this, on this uh, CultureCast right now, had the chance to address a group of early in career uh, STEM you know, early in career interns and early in career first job, and, you know, I, they're also talking about technology. And I think about the role of AI, and I agree with you. I know that, yes, it can crank out a work product, but I always believe, or and I always believe that any new technology and the latest kind of trend with technology requires humanity. And what yeah. I mean by that and is really right now you know, where it's, that, it's sort of like an intern, Yeah, like AI yeah. is like, someone you still need a human to harness yes. it and
1: to edit it and all that stuff. So that is, that is correct currently for sure. And yeah. I know obviously it can do so many, it can be so helpful, obviously. It can be a great thing, but it's also like so scary. I'm, I'm not, I'm just not personally, I'm not just scared for job loss, but more about like our existential, like, you know, like spreading disinformation and really like the level of chaos. It can, it feels real. The fact that it's not regulated at all and we're all like kind of racing for this cliff, but as you get closer, the view gets more and more beautiful. Yeah. Right. It gets beautiful,
0: but also don't fall off that cliff. Yeah. And you know, yeah, yeah, I hear you. I think it is that there's a pro and con to it and it's, it's fascinating to me. You're right. It is like this intern. um, And at the same time, no matter how honed in that product gets, you know, whoever's developing it, I know there's, we've already had conversations I have with other people around like the diversity of the people you know, who are behind the scenes programming AI. I mean, that's an opportunity. And then like the output that comes out still requires judgment, emotion, you know, totally. humanizing, right? And so I, I and think- And I gosh, think yeah. for comedy, like I feel like AI is gonna take a while to do comedy because half of being funny is being unpredictable.
1: It's being surprising. Yes. And like, these are all built on predictive technology. Like that's how they, that's how these work. You know what I mean? So it's like to be, it's to teach it to be unpredictable seems hard or yeah. not inherent in, the, in the, the way it's built. Yeah.
0: I love that you pointed that out. Absolutely. There's no way to predict a good joke or a good thing that happens, um, you know, in a comedy. That's great. And then I, I do want to point out, uh, you know, the after party as well as truth be told, I mean, both are very diverse casts. So I mean, right on, you know, I think it's awesome. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, Um, it's funny because I do think that's not a coincidence. I think they they are learning like as now, like they're like, oh, we're going to have diversity on fit forward facing. We need to have diversity behind the camera also to be, to ring true. So um, I think that is something that's, that, that, yeah, that, that, that it's funny. Cause like, I feel like being Asian has never helped me. Like if anything, getting into an Ivy league school, it's harder to be Asian. Yeah. Uh, and so like in Hollywood though, I'm like, oh, this is like actually going to be helpful. I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> I mean,
0: take all you can. I think it's pretty yeah. amazing, but it's also like that in any other industry. Right. I think about, um, companies where their frontline hourly employees are majority people of color and then behind the scenes and are running the company they're not. And yeah. so and and that's changing too. I'm saying it's Good. not happening at all, but I think you yeah. oh, know everyone's on that pathway to do that. And so it's been interesting listening and learning about the industry that you've been a part of, you know, your specific experience as a woman as an Asian American, you know, and both the challenges and the successes as a result. And So I know people in, you know, engaging this conversation will be really curious you know, what advice you would give them. I know you've already shared lessons learned. Um, any more lessons learned in your journey? And then what advice would you give people just to make their way you know, in their life? Because everyone's doing different things.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I can, I think that's, I think to, I can speak to at least this industry, you know, okay. trying to make it, um, I think you got to know yourself a little bit like you listen, obviously, in this industry, you have to have some talent, you have to be hardworking, yeah. but you also have to have a level of um, you got to be okay with like risk and yeah. not knowing you know what i mean and it's like it's funny like uh like i my sister is you know she was she went to med school like she's the older sibling yeah. like she could not handle this level of like n- uncertainty and risk you know yes. Like just as a person it's just you know y- like you get on a show most shows get canceled you're out of a job you have to find another job you don't know when that next job's gonna be yeah. so that that's like you know I-, I will say when i talk to people about going into this field i'm like you know, a, obviously you have to have talent and hard work, but like that third thing of just, can you handle this? This is not an easy, you know what I mean? Like you are freelance and it is, you know, and, and can you handle that? That's all. Um, um, yeah, that's it. And then, and then, as I said, you gotta be for writing, especially, you really have to be self-disciplined and I would say you have to be a creator and an editor. You have to be able to create, and you have to be able to edit. And I think yeah. uh, you have to toggle between those two because when you're in create mode, you cannot have your editor too loud. Yeah. if your editor's too loud, you it, it stifles your creation, like you, before you can even put it on the page. Sure. And then, but, but once you get on the page, you have to turn into kind of a harsher editor that's like, you can beat that, you can cut that, you know, you don't just settle. So it's like, you kind of have to have both sides of your brain, but you have to be able to kind of switch between the two.
0: Agreed. Oh my gosh, that's such sage advice for people who are trying to make it no matter what industry. Um, You know, I think it's this next generation coming into the workforce today, what they're dealing with, right? I I love that you said, first of all, you need to know yourself. I believe in that. Like, get real clarity about that. That doesn't mean you have to go around and, you know, piss everybody off from what you believe, but actually getting really clear on your center and like what drives you and your passion, I think that's important. And I I love, too, that um, there has to be some level of risk-taking and resilience at the same time, especially because the world has changed today. The way people are going to be employed today is different. You know, AI, their implications. Across the board, yeah. That's right, across the board, right? And so I think that's a good lesson learned. I think the other thing that I'm hearing you say is, you know, whether you're a creative person or a technical person, and in your case, you're both right? Because you're creating, when you talk about, you know, writing and editing, that's both and you need to be disciplined at both. I think it's a good piece of advice for people that, you know, when I think about um, diversity of style, let's just say that, right? That you may have a tendency towards one way. And, you know, an example that I was telling you about yesterday is that I met with a lot of engineers, software developers, data scientists, you know, all these early in career, young people that are just beginning their career, And the piece of advice that I gave them was, you know, don't forget the interpersonal side. Don't forget that human side that I think is really important in what you're doing, because you will continue to grow and learn on the technical side but in order to evolve, right? In order to be a leader, which many of them are like, I want to be a leader and I want to, you know, move up or whatever it is, start my own company. There is a level of creativity interpersonal that people need to have. And so I love that you're that's how I'm listening oh, to you. for sure. And it's, sure. Like, and it's yeah. funny
1: because I do think some people who do want to be leaders, like they have they're very talented at what they do, whether it's programming or writing. Yeah. But then like you're right, there's a whole other skill set that's just people skills, managing people. Like that is those two don't necessarily go together. And it's just like and and honestly like I also believe there's a world where there's some people that like want to rise but they want to stay in they don't want to be people managers. They don't yeah. do, they just want to do what they're good yeah. at. And I think there should be a path to rising that doesn't force you into leadership positions. You know what I mean? Like, you know, just because you want to make more money and get more prestige doesn't mean that you can stop it. You have to be stopping an engineer and be a manager. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think there's like paths depending on the person and what they are good at and what they want to do, you know?
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I think in the business world, definitely tech, the tech side of it has figured that out, like how you can continue in your journey, continue to rise in your career versus taking on that, management side but you know, you are pointing out the dilemma for a lot of leaders and, and human resources, people, people like that is the dilemma, right? It is mm-hmm. about like, all of a sudden people who are really good at what they do then get thrown into these leadership roles and they have no clue unless they already mm-hmm. are naturally talented at that. Yeah. It. Or yeah. just have a natural yeah. knack for it. Yeah. Like, and that's, you know, where... that's un, it's unusual. Yeah. So yeah. that is unusual. Interesting. Yeah. But um, I mean, I'm
1: glad that people are, I mean, listen, I, I think that like the solution is to have to, to, you can have multiple paths, you know what I mean, yeah. to, to rise on, you know? So, uh, yeah, I'm glad that that people are, are addressing that.
0: Yeah, I, I am too. It's pretty amazing. All right, and we have a few minutes left. I always love asking, because we do talk about culture, uh, your favorite things, right? So what are you loving these days, either eating, watching, wearing, uh, doing in life? It's so funny. I am very food
1: motivated. So okay. I'm always, I always, I have this running and I, we live in LA and yes. it's like, you know, such an amazing, what I love. I mean, talk about diversity. Like yes. this place is all about having the most diverse food scene, like Korea town, yes. Thai town, like, yes. you know, San Valley, like, you know, like the Mexican food and all the different regions of Mexico and like, you know, we're so lucky. And so I, I kind of have this running list of like my, I call it my to eat list. Yes. we'll put like new restaurants that I want to try on. It. And it's always like full. and It's always got cool stuff. Um, But yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, like I'm trying to think of uh, a latest one. I mean, obviously, Pija Palace is amazing. It's like Indian Italian fusion. And it's like, what? Yeah, it's really good. It's in Silver Lake, but it's already like impossible to get in. Yeah, it's I bet. So popular um and watching wise i've been i really love the great okay uh, on hulu it's about like kath the great it's about a strong lady yes uh, it's funny She's not, that's it's on my hard. list
0: yes mm-hmm.
1: i'm into that uh and yeah what am i wearing i thought that was very funny uh i <laughs> kind of love a bulky i love a cardigan so I'm a big fan of Isabel Moran. She makes great yes. sweater cardigans and um, but for the summer, I basically just try, try to cover up and have long sleeves and long skirts and a hat. I have a hat addiction. I have so many hats.
0: Oh my God, I literally have a stack of
1: hats in my house that's like about to tip over.
0: That's really smart. I think it's good too. that, that way you don't get any kind of um, skin cancer in the long term. it's really important. Yeah, it's like. Yeah. Dead, so yeah, I, I love the area that you're in, I mean Silver Lake. Um, I I grew up in LA and we had relatives that were not too far away from Silver, Silver Lake. They lived right there on Rampart and Beverly, kind of that mm-hmm. area. Um, and we used to go to Echo Park back in the day. Now Echo Park is like super cool, like you know, towards that area. So I think it's neat that it is very hipster. You know, yeah. kind of like what Williamsburg was. Totally, is, it is right? Williamsburg. And, and yeah, all right. And right? we used to live in Williamsburg when we were in New York. So yeah, I love that area that you're living in and. I love that you're finding all these great food places. You're right. It's hard to get in anywhere in Silver Lake, quite frankly. I think it's yeah, hard. I mean, you're right. There's
1: a ton of Filipino restaurants yeah. actually uh, in Eagle Rock, Silver Lake. You yes. know, I mean, there's historic Filipino town that's like getting all gentrified now, too. That's
0: right. Filipino town is getting gentrified. I need to make my way up there. Just have to. Yeah. That's um, great. Well, Brenda, we're coming to the top of the hour. I so enjoyed just chatting with you and like, yeah, learning about your life. A lot of it resonates with me. I'm, I can feel you on all of this. It's amazing. And so I want to thank you so much for being so open and so giving of your time and your insight with people on the call. Oh, well, thanks for having me. All right, everyone. Well, um, we will see you next time. Actually, how can people get a hold of you? I want to make sure I ask that. Oh,
1: um, I guess I have an Instagram. I guess uh, I'm not really
0: big on social media. So, uh, but that is, I guess the, the
1: one it's like, uh, just my first letter B and my last name, H S U E H.
0: Perfect. So if you want to find Brenda, it's her first and last, her first initial last name. And we will make sure we post that in the show notes. Um, and our next culture cast is actually live a week from now. We will be chatting with the CEO of an AI company called Instill. And they have figured out how to codify culture of all things within companies. Like, How do you measure values and how does that translate to outcomes in a company? So I will get my full nerd on with that. And hopefully the rest of you who want to be in on that will too. And um, for now, Brenda, we will see you later. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Bye, everybody.